<laughs> Have four. Mm. Oh boy, we've all earned it. All right, mm. four fireballs. I'm good. I, I did have a little flavor enhancer with the uh, yeah, yeah. Coke Zero yeah. vanilla. Mm. Oh, the vanilla probably really adds a nice thing to it. Yeah. Is that you drinking the cherry vanilla? You I, I polished the, it. Having off. the last one. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Andy. Andy couldn't quite do it. He he left one behind. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you got Andy to drink it though. That's that's the, the, the shocker. Dude, what are you talking about? Andy will drink anything. <laughs> Is All it right. wet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yikes! Is it in a container? If, if nothing more than just for the uh, potential spill factor, right? <laughs> Is it, there? You go. Is it wet ass? Uh, Ooh. Oh, now Ben Shapiro's wife said that's just a <laughs> medical problem. It's a medical problem. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 563. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Professor Biggs. Good to have you, <gasps> Professor. Oh, my goodness. And we're here to talk back. Week in Geek. Oh, gentlemen, good to see you. Yeah. Oh, and just, just so in the interest of electoral propriety, oh, yes. we do have an observer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> making sure that everything is done proper and correctly and, Indeed. Uh, and appropriate. So uh, thank you, Major Meth, for your patriotic. Representing the current administration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, he just stroked out. It's oh, my goodness. All right. Well, we no longer have an observer. Oh, don't worry. This coup, this coup shall pass. Okay. Now, now that I have headphones, I can see what you guys were talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's the a Doppler amazing. effect. It's I real. Just, mm-hmm. I just heard me get all crackly and weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. And I heard a nice little edit moment from me. <laughs> Uh, gentlemen, uh, things are getting weird out there, guys. Yes. Things, uh, the virus is getting much, much worse. We, as we, we have tried to put it off as long as we can, but we are going to have to, in the very near future, end the in-person close-up shop podcast oh, no. recordings. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to be looking into doing a. Uh, how to do this over the internet, gentlemen. I know many out there figured it out before me, so it shouldn't be too hard figuring it out from the steps of giants I will be stepping in. Yeah. <laughs> just the giant what you'll get, be stepping in? Footprints. <laughs> God damn it. Just, just, get, just get bigger shoes. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so that, uh, that change will be coming in the future, which has uh, many good positives with it as well. Uh, so, But I do want, Shock Monkeys, I wanted you to know that... Uh, that was going to be taking place before long. Yeah, guys, uh, you know, we've been risking our lives for your entertainment long enough. No more. That's it. No more. Have fuck, to, fuck this shit. Yeah. <laughs> the line must be drawn Yeah. in the next... This far. No yeah, further. Sometime this month or maybe next or... Yeah. Yeah. This year. Which the is line ironic. must be drawn this year. No, that's the, good. It's ironic co- that we quote the first The COVIDs contact. are at the door there because <laughs> biggs is wearing a uh, first contact style uh, shirt right now that's right uh, <laughs> yes oh that, that, that's, that's that's i broke my little ship <laughs> what <laughs> the gig shock book club is still reading citadel of the fallen by jr conkle k-o-n-k-o-l one of our own so please join us in that discussion good story up. fast moving story yes you're not uh, gonna get bored definitely not but gentlemen what geeky things did you do this week? 
I watched some Rick and Morty. Are there new ones? Yes. Yeah, the fourth season dropped uh, last week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, on, yeah online that. it did. Oh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I watched it in the release order. but I, I keep forgetting the, the se- what season that we're on in yeah. this, this age of... Yeah. They, they didn't have access to, uh, to it. Well, Kirsten didn't have access to it because uh, he doesn't have cable. So. I don't either. Yeah. Oh, you so, don't have cable either. Yeah. No, I, I. You've gone all in on all the streaming then. All huh? I, I got my CW, I got my Hulu, Hulu, and I got my CBS All Access, Hulu, and I've got my HBO Max, and I've got my DC Universe, and I've got my Acorn, and I've got oh my Jesus Amazon Christ! Prime, so and... it's the same cost. <laughs> I don't want to hear any more shit about me forgetting to cancel that one month of CBS All Access when he's got subscriptions to all of those streaming platforms. I that that has been my Damn. my major expense. Well, that and um, microtransactions on Star Trek. Oh right? uh, yeah, microtransactions on Starfleet uh, Star Trek Fleet Command. Oh my god. Grumble. Wait, Is wait, it- are you spending money on that? <laughs> the silence is deafening i yes so i was just telling these guys beforehand here it's scopely is greedy as hell and like a lot of the other little you know free-to-play games sure you what know they expect have, yeah they have like little you know little microtransactions where you can get like um daily daily benefits daily benefits and it'll cost you um you know like like five or six bucks with with scopely uh, wait wait okay daily benefits five or six bucks how often do you pay the five or six bucks for once the a day- month. once a month once, okay yeah so but for five bucks for a month yeah that's yeah. not much okay. no it, that's that seems yeah, reasonable that's five, great. five bucks for a month of entertainment that sounds reasonable i'd make uh, that girl S- scopely the the least expensive. Uh, okay, what what Scopely is the company that makes it? Is the okay. ma- yeah is. I know. I thought he had a grudge against this guy. He was just <laughs> pissed at him. Oh man, that Scopely guy. He is a fucker. The worst. Anyway, um, I, the least. I thought you were talking about Scopely for a second. Yeah, I know. I would, <laughs> yeah. when, they, when he first said the story, I was like, Jesus, Scott, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, the the least expensive monthly fee that you can pay for a daily bonus now. The and and every time they send me the player survey, this is like my number one my number one thing is it, the the cheap, cheapest one now hundred bucks. Oh, I'm sorry, hundred hundred bucks <laughs> for a month. Yes, fuck, uh, fuck that. that. Yeah. No shit. And I can't, I was like, what is your fucking business model? Who are you marketing this game to? And then and then apparently the behind the scenes is that they are that they are. Um, all concerned that they're losing players. It's like, derp. Well, no yeah. shit. When I can play Forge of yeah. Forge of Empires for five bucks a month to get daily bonuses, but it doesn't have Star Trek on it, right? But Timelines does, and that's another oh. one that's only cost me six bucks a month. So for what? Daily what so, so I never play it. It's it's called Star Trek. What? Star Trek Fleet Command. Fleet Command. It is when you're first starting out, and they do have the low price microtransactions sure it's actually really fun but as soon as you use one of those low price microtransactions it disappears forever like it never reappears and every time they send the player survey how can we make this game easier i go bring back the five dollar microtransactions i said do you not understand that a five dollar microtransaction is is a surefire impulse buy 
Yeah. Hundred bucks. Sure. Hundred bucks. You're gonna be sitting there going, I don't like the game that much. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's 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 like they they bought insulin or something. Yeah. The- <laughs> yeah. And and matter of fact, one of the one of the alliance members just private messaged me today saying, "You're still with us, right?" Because I again I haven't been playing because I'm at that level where I'm not getting enough rare or uncommon materials to like upgrade my station or upgrade my ships and i'm like i gotta tell you i think my days playing this game are numbered when the cheapest you know microtransaction is a hundred bucks what 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 really blows my mind is that i can see them putting a hundred dollar thing yes sure grab the whales that's what that's all about right but to have no incrementals underneath it they disappear every time you buy the incremental it, it they disappear what do you mean by that? They disappear. Um, so, like for instance, when I first started playing, there was a a five dollar, you know, chest of latinum, for instance. Okay, that's I assume that's the currency. Yes, and then you buy that, and the next time you're like, oh, I could really use some more latinum. What happened to the five dollar latinum? Like ten bucks is the, okay. Well, I guess I'll do the ten dollar latinum thing. Ah, uh, and then so and then, each time you buy one, the next one is more expensive. Yes. I assume it's a lot more latinum, or is it the same amount? That's the other thing. Oh, shit. <laughs> the price increase does not necessarily mean that you're getting more for your for your dollar. <laughs> what awfulness. Like, Who are like these people? Scopely. Well, I, well, I do, Scopely yeah, I is the name are. of the company. And they need to be uh, they need to be taken out, tarred and feathered, and set in the in the um, uh, what do they call it? The pillories oh, in the sure. town in the town center, so that people can throw uh, pies yeah, yeah. and or worse. They can at them. get in line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's really bad, and and so the guy that again, he's he's like a you know big monkey muck, as am I. Sadly, in the alliance, he was like, "Well, I hope you stick with it." I go, "I'm going to stick with it, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm probably just going to do the daily goals, and that's about it, because I can still do those for no money." And uh, and he was like, okay. I said, for instance, you know, I usually like the monthly events, but this this discovery event is way too convoluted. He goes, oh, believe me, everyone's everyone's had that complaint that you have to do so many things simultaneously that you just don't have enough ships to do it. Ah, and it's just <laughs> hence them trying to get you to pay more money so you yeah. can have the ships to, to do it to tear up and all that kind of stuff how all this free-to-play shit works yeah and this is just but this is just the extreme version of it and it's, yeah that's pretty extreme yeah and and i was and so every time and they do they send out pretty regular player surveys and the first my first comment is your microtransactions are killing the fun of this game they're too expensive and you don't get enough for a hundred bucks that's a yeah, hundred dollars is crazy yeah well that's the other thing is like for a hundred dollars i should get the whole game with everything opened and right and unlocked right. and i'm good to go yeah a hundred dollars and i mean literally i'm at the next step of uh for instance right now i'm at the next step of upgrading my station and there are a couple of like material things that you can go out and mine and everything but when you refine them the 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 uncommon and the rare, of course, are uncommon and rare. But those are the things you need, at again, at the 31, 31 level that I'm at, to upgrade your station. And there is literally no way, other than refining 
your mind to get the uncommon or upgrade. So if you and when you hit the refine button, if the if the chance algorithm doesn't give you uncommon or rare, you're just fucked. There's no way to even buy it. Like so even that even that transaction is it doesn't exist. Unless you I, I well, I take that back. I think it does exist, but I think that's again another, you know, uh, epic a uh, station upgrade for a hundred bucks, and I'm like, <laughs> no, I am not going to give you assholes a hundred bucks for this time waster toilet sitter game that I'm playing here. I this is that's ridiculous. Ferengi are real, and they work as Copley. Yep, that's exactly the, that's exactly it. I mean, yeah, and today the thing is mine latinum. <laughs> wow, let's see, there it is, <laughs> there it is. It all all makes sense. It all makes sense. Gross. Man. Yeah. Oh, it's it's but, really gross. But, but then again, what free to play mobile game isn't when it comes down to it. Yeah. Although that that is pretty egregious. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because a lot of the tiers and things that he's talking about, I remember seeing when I was playing Zombie Gunship. But there, it wasn't there wasn't vanishing cheaper stuff. It actually, you <clears throat> it it disappeared. Um, maybe for a day, like you had an allotment of how right. much you could get, right. and and then uh, you know if you well, oh shit I need more gold. Well now there's only the ten dollar lots or the the twenty dollar lots, but it it was back the next day. Yeah, like like for instance the other one that's similar, but you know because you're upgrading things and building other things and doing that is the Forge of Empires. Well, every day you can buy. You can buy like a five dollar gold bundle, a ten dollar gold bundle, right. or and they the most popular twenty dollar gold bun, or diamond bundle is what their currency is. And and but that twenty dollar, the five dollar, the ten dollar, and the twenty dollar are always available. And then they do have the hundred, the fifty dollar, and the hundred dollar thing. But all those tiers are always available every day. And so yeah, again for for toilet sitter time waster. You know, Forge of, <laughs> Forge of Empires, I heartily recommend. I got bored with it, so I'm not playing it anymore. But, sure. um, but you know, again, that was a free-to-play with these microtransactions, but the microtransactions were reasonable. They're not reasonable on Star Trek Fleet Command. <laughs> and it's mostly because they the different lower-tier levels disappear. And I actually wrote to them about that. And I said, this is ridiculous. You're telling me that the... That I am only, I can only get the hundred dollar monthly uh, thing with the daily bonuses. Now, what happened to the twenty dollar? What happened to the fifty dollar? And like, well, at the level you're playing at, we just think that that would be. It's like, well, you need to rethink that because <laughs> because every other game system has figured out how to monetize lower dollar value monthly. So their argument is, oh, you're at a high enough level that. You should be paying us more money. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. Really. Yeah. And 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 God, you know, in my fantasy, because I do, the thing, the sad part is, I do like the game. I mean, it's you know, it's an empire builder. You know, um, I do like the game, and I just sometimes when I'm just you know almost ready to rage quit, which I did do on that game, like when it first came out, because it just became stupid. I I, I know because I. I thought you had done that, so when you brought it up today, I'm like, oh, he is still playing this. No, I did rage quit, and then I was just like looking at it going, 
well, I do, I like the early aspects of it where I was just building stuff. So let me just see what that's like again. Well, I like the dopamine response when something good happens. So. <laughs> something good yeah, happens. Yeah. So let's see what happens when I start all over again. A zombie gunship would send a notification if you hadn't played for a while, and it would be like, for the next hour, you can get X, and it might be it might be more resources for for an amount Ah, of money, or maybe if you played a level, if you played a couple levels, you you had double points or ten times points or something like that. Forge of Empire still still does that every time they have one of their seasonal. You know, like month long yeah. games. And and you also get the weekly it's an event this weekend. If you play, Here. you will get ten times points. Yeah, yeah. Here's an extra thousand thousand diamonds. And I'm like, Oh cool. Well, I'm not gonna play, but I am gonna cash in those diamonds so when I do play again. <laughs> <laughs> um and they were telling Scopely, this guy bigs, he breaks the bank. You don't you fucking do our mistakes, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess that's a geeky thing that I'm still doing. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> raging yeah. about a video game. Yeah, about, very much so. <laughs> raging yes. about a video game. Yeah, I, I say appropriate. Yeah. Oh, I I live for the days when when Birth of the Federation was still supported. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, what'd you do this week? Uh, I didn't do a lot this week. Um, okay, Kirsten, what'd you do this week? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> I did watch a. Uh, I love my documentaries, and there was uh, there was a documentary this week about uh, DB Cooper, the uh, the uh, famous hijacker that you know it was like the only domestic hijacking it, that has the guy that never been solved. Yeah. yeah, and I was so disappointed in this documentary. It's a two hour long documentary, so you're looking for answers, and they literally said nothing in the first hour and forty five minutes. The last 15 minutes, they dis- they had some scientist that was able to get access to a clip-on tie that he wore on the flight, and he did this, it vacuums into a specific type of lab vial, and then they sent that off to a company that was able to get a full DNA profile. So they have a full DNA pro- profile of D.B. Cooper or Dan Cooper. For the next documentary? I, I'm and guessing. I found out he has a third cousin, seven times removed, living in <laughs> that, Poughkeepsie. That was the thing that pissed me off. It's like there was one person that and they made the highlight of this, co- this, this documentary, and they compared it to his sisters that his, he wouldn't give up his DNA, but the sisters did, so there was no familia match. So they, they said with, with 100% certainty it was not this guy. But they did have a full... They were surprised that they were able, because of the age of the evidence, that they were able to get a full DNA profile. So they have this profile, but they have nothing to match it against because that's interesting. they're not law enforcement. They can't access... <laughs> well, uh, oh, they're not law APHIS. enforcement. Yeah, because that's they're how they... They're not APHIS. Uh, I hear they try harder. It's a different... Hurts. Uh, <laughs> Save more. Enterprise. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's a DNA repository that has... Uh, uh, what? Oh, a suppository? Yeah, you know. It's I knew that girl. Oh, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna do it. It doesn't. It's not even worth it. There was one guy. <laughs> not there, even worth it. There was one guy. Shut up. <laughs> oh, oh wow. He said Damn. walking into the middle of a conversation. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh, Todd's Todd's figuring an edit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm terrible. Oh boy! Apparently, um, Steve thinks this is just a conversation around the table. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. As he picks up the the microphone after putting on his headphones, 
Whose name can I mention? There was a guy they caught. It was law enforcement, though. Yeah. Because they went to like one, two, three, twenty-three ancestry yes. or, or 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 whatever that's the fuck. They, that's how and they, they caught found, the Golden State Killer. They found uh, yes, yes. They found relatives in yep. a given area, and they were. A, and wasn't it? Didn't they like interview the relatives? And like some of them were like, I, I always wondered about him or well, something yeah, they, like they, that. There were. Why there didn't were, you guys come to us sooner or something? <laughs> yeah, they interviewed the Golden State Killer's uh, like uh, niece or something like something that. Like she that. had a a very elaborate story about how weird he was with her and so forth. Mm-hmm. Which, okay, which uh, the FBI profilers are like, oh, that makes sense because this is his, this is his weirdness. Yeah, his weirdness it. profile. Yeah, they pulled out the dossier and thump it down. <laughs> this is one inch of all his weirdness. Um, but yeah, okay, uh, but so so they have this profile, and they could potentially take it to like one of those ancestry DNA type sites, and then they could find a familial match, and then from there maybe track down who it is. Oh, they they could do that. But the nationwide system that law enforcement uses oh, that. for DNA, you have to have. Uh, no. Law enforcement connections no, to be able no, to do. No. You want you want market forces to handle yeah. this, Jeff. <laughs> I, I was. Is this the one Pat Oswalt's wife? Was no, no, that's Golden that's, State Killer. That's that's the one that he was talking yeah. about. Okay, <laughs> the one I was well, talking about while so you were the one in the priv was. Yeah, uh, so behind yeah. the scenes, I was, I was winking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and thinking up. <laughs> Yeah, thinking of, and thinking thinking of, of a, a name non sequitur. Yeah, thinking of non sequitur <laughs> names to throw out. Are you guys talking? about I've had a lot of fireball. <laughs> but, yeah. Jesus, that, Steve, that's rather quick to start blaming the booze. <laughs> you, you'd think that, but I, I did actually stagger into the restroom. So, <laughs> Other than that, I watched uh, the most recent episode of Mandalorian, as oh, well as right Jeff, stuff. Oh, watch Mandalorian. The re- most recent episode of Mandalorian, even though it was very short, was really good. Yeah. yeah. Like, Bryce really Dallas good. Howard. Aside yeah. from those last two that were crap. Oh really? You didn't like? No, I'm two? kidding. They're all oh. great. <laughs> oh, okay. There's a lot of people who are like, "Give Bryce Dallas Howard a Star Wars movie," but well, I don't yeah. know if you uh, you caught. There were a couple of nods to Apollo 13 in that episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and people found it. They posted it online. It's like they asked her, "Is like, was this a nod to your father?" It's like you caught that, huh? Oh my God, I dude! That was interesting. You're reading, reading when people are talking to her, yeah. and she's like remembering. Yeah, I remember one time I was like four or five, and George Lucas came over for dinner, and he was talking with my dad about them. <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah. God damn! Yeah. Oh, the oh life. living Show, the fucking life. Showbiz families. Well, not to mention Ron's, Ron's been in the biz forever. Yeah. yeah. You know, starting as an actor, and then you know becoming. I, in my opinion, a much better director. Yeah, Opie Cunningham. Ouch. It's a, Ouch. And no, it's he's not right. necessarily a knock on his <laughs> acting. I just think he's. Ouch. No, it's a proper well, knock on his. Well, acting. I, well and Ouch. I think I think Ron Howard would agree with you too. Ron, Ron Howard is really good at playing Ron Howard. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. That's, sometimes it's all you need. Uh, you know, Golly. Monday, Tuesday, happy days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The that's. Hey, mother jugs. No, wait, no. I, no. I, yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I'm on record as being one of these people that I, I'm. I'm not a big fan of the criticism. Oh well, they're only playing themselves. Yeah, that is that's fine. Uh, that's a hard thing to do. It is, yeah, it's a hard thing to be natural on stage, and if you have a personality that translates to multiple different characters, 
as long as in this particular movie or TV show or whatever that the choices you make as an actor fit the action of that particular story, go ahead and be yourself. Absolutely. And he <laughs> and he was great at being mediocre 50s. Anyway. <laughs> and then you have child actors who are well, <laughs> like same thing. Like, yeah. yeah. And especially you can't you can't fault that. And so especially much. Disney right. child actors. Oh god. What? <laughs> Which is funny because uh, we were just having this conversation the other day, uh, Steve, Kirsten, and I about uh, the uh, Renee Zellweger, uh, Judy, um, Judy, Garland. Judy Garland biopic oh, yes. that was out recently. Yes, it's, it's actually pretty good. Called Judy. But yeah, uh, the, the core of it is like how badly <laughs> she was treated and that whole studio system treated its actors you know, keeping them on schedule, keeping their weight in check, especially fem- them on drugs. female actors specifically were horribly mistreated. And, and it like, it just thought made me think about the fact that there's a lot of uh, questioning about how Disney treats its child actors and whether it's, you know, not necessarily going to the extremes of like the drugs and stuff, but the unreasonable demands that it makes on them as child actors, which is why when they become adults, they tend to lash out and go to the extreme in the other direction and so forth. When you yeah. when you hear those stories, you look at people like Kurt Russell and you're just yeah. like, dude, how'd you fucking dodge that <laughs> bullet? Or Ryan Gosling. Yeah. yeah. You're like, you're a human being. How'd you manage that? Yeah. 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 One of the things that, that um <laughs> uh, oh, oh. As watch you with the name, Steve. As long yeah. <laughs> as longtime listeners will remember, I, I have the list. And um, yeah, but he's taking antibiotics. Indeed, <laughs> that's true. And um, there's a cure for that. <laughs> and and many years ago, somebody who was on the list but is no longer on the list was uh, Lindsay Lohan. And ah, uh, Lindsay. And I was and and it comes up in like you know, for instance, when I'm talking for to new my, listeners, this is a list of people Steve wants to fuck. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that that no. no, no. There's it's not enough paper people. for that list. <laughs> That he, that he would marry and then fuck. Right, because that list is about is about four billion people long. No, this, this is and the... And we're all on it. <laughs> you raise an interesting point. Anyway, no, this, is, this is the list of my future ex-wives. And it really was started out as just a joke, and I was telling these guys uh, last night the... the the um, origins of the list it just really started out as a joke and then i was doing a show and one of my and i was making one of my future ex-wife jokes and one of my uh, female co-stars was like how many women are on this list and i said well i've never actually written it down so uh, she said well you should you should write it down because it sounds like a really long list (laughs) And, and so i went home that night and i wrote down the list, as near as I could remember from all the stupid jokes I'd made about my future future ex-wives. And, um, and so then, of course, because of the age we're living in, I posted it on Facebook. Dun, dun, dun. And, and, I said, I, and so I went to rehearsal the next night. I said, so did you read it? And she was like, no, I'm not going to contribute to your narcissism. I'm like, you're the one who told me to write it down. No. <laughs> it was a setup. You were set up, Steve. I, I was. It was like the hair salon and Nancy Pelosi. Yes, you got um, pelosi <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so, so every now and then I make this joke in, in class, too. And so one of the students goes, well, who's the creepiest one on your list? I go, right, because it, it sounds pretty creepy, right? And, um, and I said, well, 
The creepiest one used to be Lindsay Lohan, but now she's really gone off the rails, and so no. And then I talk about that being like a major tragedy because the woman actually has some talent, right? I mean, just totally shit her career away. Well, yeah, between her, the way her family treated her, Disney, yeah, all the other studios. Etc. Yeah. That, well, and her own behavior. And, and, too. Yes, exactly. I'm, I, I'm not. I'm not absolving her of her own choices. Yeah, but, but it's a perfect storm of all those combined. Yeah, yeah. She she went off the deep end for sure. Yeah. And of course, the exciting sequel to this list thing is that same. We're still Facebook friends, and every now and then I post. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> no me and she woman, wants back on the list. Bad. Me and the woman that forced me. Forced me at gunpoint to gunpoint. write down the list. You know, non-consensual listing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Every now and then I'll, I'll make a stupid, you know, uh, there's a reason so-and-so's on the list. And she goes, God, are you still doing that? <laughs> Do you not understand that this is a, you know, you're, you're uh, objectifying. And I, and I keep having to, I go, you realize, you realize that I understand that the list that the joke is on me, right? That none of these talented, beautiful, smart funny women would ever have anything to do with well i can't even say middle-aged anymore but <laughs> let's say for the sake of this story middle-aged <laughs> middle-aged man middle-aged <laughs> community college theater instructor you understand that i'm aware that i'm the joke in this whole thing right and she's like well i just think messaging it, is problematic of course the the real irony of that that statement right there is Probably Lindsay would go for. <laughs> if I gave her enough cocaine, maybe. Oh, oh. wow! Edit, another edit there. Nope. Uh, t- nope. <laughs> Staying in. <laughs> I have run out of my allotment of edits. <laughs> so anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> Kirsten Mandalorian. Oh, Kirsten, yeah. what geeky things you do this week? Uh, I also watched, uh, caught up on Mandalorian. Uh, definitely enjoyed that. Um. Uh, somebody made a statement uh, one time about the. I'm getting tired of the quid pro quo plotting of every episode. Is well, I can do this for you, but you got to do that, and it's sort of like yeah. But at the same time, you know, he's like a mercenary bounty hunter, so it's that's sort of what you do. That's, yeah. That's, Not to mention that's so much of real life anyway. There it's you like, go. Oh, I'd be happy to do that for you for money yeah. or for. <laughs> You know, some kind of exchange. Oh. Our observer has turned into a Bond villain. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody got that joke. Nobody <laughs> listening got that joke. It, once, it is, stop once it again, visual jokes. It is a visual joke. Once again, Kit in his traitorous ways has uh, has assumed the position on someone else's lap, making Kirsten insanely jealous. <laughs> it's like... God damn it, all he'll do is sleep with me, but he'll sit on everyone else's lap. I finally finished that Enterprise. Yes. God damn it, it is all done. Matt's, uh, Ace of Knaves, Matt's from Two Broke Geeks, your ship is done. All decals applied. If not applied, then painted on. It, it was a, a feat in getting this done. But I am very, very happy with how it ended up. There were, there was, there were times. There were, there was a time where I thought, okay, I'm going to have to buy a new model kit, refund him his money, and send it all back to him in the mail, because this, there's just no getting back from what's happening here. I was just upset with the fact that 
for all of the times that you talked about how difficult it was to work with those decals, you never once gave us the scope of how many decals there were on this model or the size of these decals. When you showed me those pictures, I was like, of course, now I understand the level of frustration. I get frustrated with like, you know, a tiny little one inch decal tears I know, and having I was, to fix that. I was sitting there like, this whole year, I thought Todd was a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> not because of decals. Well, that's the thing. My my uh, experience with putting decals on an Enterprise or on a Star Trek ship was the original Enterprise model. Yeah. And that was at most 10 decals, the yes. name and the, and oh, the Starfleet thing on the side. I long for that shit decal sheet. Yeah, and then when you posted the pictures, I was like, holy shit, no wonder this has been taken forever. Look at that. So, yeah, kudos to you. That was but that the, was an amazing undertaking. But the final piece, I'm so happy with it. It's, well, it, it, it's, it's kind of rekindled my love of doing models for myself. Commissions are not <laughs> open for models anymore. Only minis. Minis, yes. I'll, I'll paint the shit out of some minis, but no more model kits. I did love that... Uh, Whoever posted on the the shock monkeys layer, paint me like you paint one of your Warcraft minis. <laughs> I was dying when I saw that, and then of course I was gonna tag you on it, but I saw that you'd already liked it. I was like, oh, too late. <laughs> no, that was proper. That was good. Oh, that was great. And the other thing I did this week, I watched the first season of The Good Place finally. Oh, it's so, so good. Did, now, did everyone spoiler free the the you should watch this? I I was. I was very, everyone was very kind to me and I knew very little going in. I knew more than I wanted to know uh, going in just because that's just the nature of being around nerds. No shirt. (laughs) (laughs) What the fork? (laughs) Yeah. So, so the, uh, the surprises weren't as surpriseful, but masterfully done. Yeah. Man, and the next three, if you continue, and there is a the good place the podcast uh, podcast that is hosted by Mark Evan Jackson. No, oh. he plays Sean. No, oh, yes. anyway, and it's really good. It's it's a really good companion piece to the to the show. If anyone out there is interested in doing a rewatch, I would suggest that watch an episode of the Good Place and then w- listen to an episode of the Good Place the podcast. Much like the West Wing, the, if you want to watch the West Wing, then listen to the West Wing Weekly oh, podcast. Fuck. Now I got to start West Wing over again. Oh, oh, that's sad news. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> so, I've only started it for the third time. Right, oh. right. So you finished the whole first season. And then yes good oh nice so yeah i i got through the 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 moments yes you get it now you i definitely can i get it and it's it's fun it's such a well-written show and it, all the way through and if anything it gets better from here on out. it, it does actually i i think can you see that? i literally I, I truly believe the next two seasons get way better than that i mean and the first season was really good <laughs> don't get me wrong it's not like one of those season ones where you're like yeah, no, I'm about to give up on running. this show. It, it hits the ground running. Um, but the it, writing gets increasingly better as the season goes on. And then you hit the second season where the actors know their characters, the writers know their characters, and it really takes off from there. It was, That's just it, my opinion, of course. What though. was yeah. so impressive to me about it was just how well it was planned out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can I see not knowing what, what to expect in seasons two and three. And, and four. Yeah. That this first season is a fantastic foundation for what's to come. 
Yeah, and Michael Schur has talked about how he always knew it was a three or four season show, and and yeah, and and it, and again, it's one of those things. If you do binge watch the whole four seasons, it's like, yeah, that's a complete story. That yep. is a complete story right there, and there's very little in the way of you know padding or sag. I mean, it's a short. They're all short seasons. They're all like thirteen episodes. So it is a it, it's a great binge watch and and again I I heartily recommend if you have never seen the Good Place or if you're going to do a rewatch that podcast that behind the scene podcast is also just as brilliant because they get people they get the writers they get the actors they get Mike Schur, um they get um what's his name uh, director uh, um the uh, Cabin in the Woods. Um, the director uh, of Cabin in the Woods was involved. Yes, who was who also directed the pilot in the first episode of The Good Place. Anyway. Oh, I'm totally drawing a blank now, too. And yeah. that's okay. Uh, Drew Goddard? Carrie. Yeah, Drew Goddard. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, and and they talk to, and I mean, they talk to costume people. They talk to the special effects guy, that, and it's a great podcast. And again, Mark Jeff, Evan Jackson, listening to the podcast, The Good Place, the podcast, Andy had talked about the thrilling adventure hour, and I was like, "Wait, isn't Mark Evan Jackson involved in that too?" And then I started listening to that, and yeah, and so yeah, Mark Evan Jackson is now one of my new favorite. Oh, that guy, guys. Okay. And I've said too much. No, you haven't. <laughs> it's wonderful. Well, it's the liquor talking. It is the liquor talking, and cheers. Before we move on, anything else, gentlemen? <laughs> liquor, uh, I hardly even know her. Um, oh, is that? Um. I will. Uh, what the fuck just happened? Oh, I, I censored myself. Okay. I, I will throw it. out a tangential. Oh, tangential. Geeky, geeky thing. Yeah. Just because chess is geeky. Right. Queen's Gambit on Netflix. I heartily, heartily recommend. I I've, I hear. I there's a lot of buzz. That's what I'm going to say. Is there's a lot of buzz around that show. Yeah. People love that show. Yeah. It's. Why do people love the show? I think just because it's it's well done. Okay. <laughs> it really is. It it really evokes the period. Um, it is actually a really good story, and it revolves around chess. But the writers have been very good about making sure that if you know nothing about chess, you still get involved in the human story. Uh, oh, so it's kind of like the musical chess. Yeah, <laughs> although better because the writers of uh, the Queen's Gambit actually understand chess moves. <laughs> <laughs> which the choreographer of the last production of Chess that I went and saw did not. Not the musical's fault. <laughs> no, that's true. That is true. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I can record. Good job, Todd. Stand up for the musical. I always will. There you go. Yeah. And then I, uh, one of my COVID purchases, I did a whole Ray Harryhausen purchase. Oh, wow. So, Valley of Guanji, if you haven't checked it out mm. recently. No, it's illegal in some states still. It, it is indeed. Yeah. You don't Guanji or Guanji. Um it's not, I mean, you can rent it from Amazon Prime, but just go ahead and buy the Blu-ray from Shout. It's um, God, Shout Factory so wonderful. Right? They really are. Let it all out. And uh, and it's not even that expensive, and they often have sales. And it's Ray Harryhausen special effects. So just go ahead and buy it. It's Cowboys versus Dinosaurs, and it's, it's a childhood favorite. It's not the greatest movie, and even Harryhausen thought it was one of his lesser efforts, but it's still, it's cowboys versus dinosaurs. You don't get that very often. No, and I recommend it. And it's got a great <laughs> score by Jerome Moross, who also did The Big Valley. There you go. There's my theater, my film geek uh, 
All right, let's hit a quick email before we get into news. <laughs> email. Uh, hey, fuckers. Hey, Jake. Oh. Uh, wait, I'm not Jake. Oh, Greetings, shit. gentlemen. Oh. Nice switcheroo there, oh, pal. No. Nice switcheroo. Uh, since we all can't go to cons and everything, I've been mm. thinking about all the things we usually buy because they are limited edition or con only or whatever. So I'm asking you, what is the absolute coolest thing you have bought? As well as the one thing you were like, why the fucking hell did I buy this? Uh, love, peace, and chicken grease, croaked the GJ. Uh, P.S. Torgo is a tool for not Minecrafting anymore. Yeah, I, you're, you're right. You're right. Aww. Absolutely right. That's just sh- savage. And true. Aww. While you guys are thinking about that a little bit, I'll, I can throw mine out there. The, the thing that I absolutely love that I got at Con was a giant Cthulhu hero click. Ah, yes. uh, I absolutely still love that. The fact that it is a playable game piece yeah. in the Hero Clicks miniatures game. Uh, beautiful and to scale with the other figures. <laughs> yeah. I believe so, I've seen that, right? That's yeah, actually, it's it's yeah. been on the, the Geek Shock shelf forever. Wow. Um, uh, the thing that I'm like, why the fuck did I get this? Uh, I actually kind of re-ran across the other day when I was going through storage. Uh, the first time we ever went to Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're excited because, yay, con things. Oh, you can only buy these things here. Uh, Master Replicas was there. Master Replicas, of course. Ah, the yes. ones that do the really, really good lightsabers. Yeah. It makes all the noise and does the lights right. And so when you see somebody use a good lightsaber, it's probably a Master Replica one. But they were selling as a con exclusive mini lightsaber handles that don't do anything except be a mini lightsaber handle. <laughs> I bought one at a stupid price, and I still have it. The sticker is over the front of it that gives the <laughs> gives the year. So not the force effects ones, just the. It's by the same people that make the force effects, but these aren't force yeah. effects lightsabers. They're gotcha. just a small fucking hand. <laughs> What's that, Steve? <laughs> no, that that is just typical of con exclusives. <laughs> Here, buy a handle so for 150 bucks. So it's still in the box with a sticker over it, so it's not been opened, obviously, so it's worth whatever the fuck it isn't. You have a certificate that goes with it? Or yeah. Is it, is yeah, it I numbered? I got a certificate, all right. One, oh one Entrance for one for the loony bin for buying this bullshit. Oh. So, yes, I bought that. And, and, I, and I chalk it up to... Uh, first year con exclusive stupidity. Well, and actually, have you, have you tried to go on eBay and see if anyone else is selling theirs and what they're selling it for? And all no, that kind of uh, I probably will. I'll yeah. be I'll be selling some stuff on eBay eventually. So yeah, yeah. I I because every now and then I run across something like that and I go, oh, oh God, I've had this for thirty years. Wonder what this is worth. Mm. Yeah, I think I'll still keep it. Miniature <laughs> miniatures Star Wars lightsaber handle that doesn't do shit. I can't wait to buy one. <laughs> And here yeah. I thought, well, it's not a con exclusive, the uh, lifetime membership to that Star Trek game. So no, yeah. I guess uh, I guess that doesn't count. I don't have as much regret about that as I do that goddamn hand. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I, you, you talked about Master Replicas, and, and that reminded me of a, a, a con purchase that I had that I got home. And I was I was only a little bit disappointed in it because um, I it's back when they would do like deep discounts on Sunday, like on the final day. Yeah, One of those, those years, days. Master Replicas had the Luke Skywalker Return of the Jedi green lightsaber. Oh, yes. 
on a Sunday, the Force Effects one. The good one. The life size actually does for makes like, the noise and lights. Yeah, for like yeah. 50% off on that Saturday, oh, damn. Uh, that, on that Sunday. Yeah. Those days are left. past. Yeah, right? Tell me about it. They really so are. So I ended up buying it, and then I got home and realized it doesn't, it does everything that it's supposed to do, but it didn't come with the stand like they used to. So I didn't have a way to display it, so it kind of you know sat in the corner of my room. and I got a miniature stand you could probably use if you well, want. I was going to say, <laughs> the fortunate part of the story is... Paul in his cleaning out his closet days and then frequently leaving stuff at our house brought over a stand one time and said, hey, do you have one of these? And I said, no, but I need one. He goes, well, it's yours. And so now oh, I do have a stand for it. But um, Paul clear, clearing the closet days were... Those were good days. <laughs> it, it, both very good and very bad. At times. Well, <laughs> like it's like like this is junk. You should just throw it away, and you're just gonna leave it yeah. here. Yeah. Now I, I just want to pause for a moment because Major Matt has been on eBay and pulled up an episode three return of the uh, Sith Anakin Skywalker mini lightsaber, new sealed. I don't know if it's a con exclusive, but it is. On eBay for $299.95. Oh, shit. But I've also learned that just because it's on eBay for that doesn't mean someone's exactly. going to buy it for yes. that. Well, that's, no. like the old, that's like the old VHS of uh, old Disney movies. Yes. You know, if you have these, you, people are selling these for blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Have you ever sold anything on eBay? Have you ever gotten that price for... <laughs> yeah, it's it's not what they're selling it for. It's what people are buying it for. Right. Well, hell, I mean, I on eBay, I got... Um, the Star Trek five slash six phaser that Master Replicas put out. Those things used to go for a thousand like new. And you know, I used to see them on eBay all over the place price wise. I saw one up to five thousand dollars one time and I'm like, Damn. I'm never gonna spend that much on one. Well, I came across one that had been sitting available for purchase for like a long time. I'm talking like at least three months. And like it would go through the process, they wouldn't get the reserve price they wanted. And then the, finally, this came at, it came up for make offer. Yeah. So I offered three hundred for it, thinking you know, they're not going to take it. It's going to be too low. They're going to counter offer it, and they accepted it like right off the bat and shipped it to me because they knew they, they were over. They didn't selling. charge me shipping either. They included the shipping in the in the price of the sale. And I I remember being so excited that I got it for that, and then I was going, you know, I bet they would have taken two hundred for it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but um, still, I got it for the price I wanted. One of the bad news, good news things about living in the age of COVID is. People are unloading stuff on eBay. Yeah. I finally got the Sideshow Christopher Reeve Superman with the display case and everything. The only thing Ooh. that's missing is the exclusive uh, kryptonite chain uh, thing. That's the only thing that's missing. I got it for like 300 and change, which was about what they were selling it for. 10 years ago. Oh. Well, what Sideshow was selling nice. it for about 10 th years ago. And those are like super limited too, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And and I mean, before COVID, you couldn't get one for less than 1000 And this thing, had, as near as I can remember, had never been displayed, but who the fuck cares? It came with the original box. It came with everything except that exclusive kryptonite on the, on the chain thing. And for 300 bucks, and I was like, yep, getting that. Dude, that, that price is off the chain. Ah. You, you, you did that. It, yeah, was, did. it was my kryptonite. <laughs> so I, any other things you got at con yeah, that you were like, oh, this is awesome and fun thing you got? Yeah, like, why the to, fuck did I do this? I don't go to cons. I got so much cool stuff wow. over the years that we went there. So I'm trying to think of what the the one thing that I took regret? home that was... 
aside from I a social disease. I don't really oh, have any purchase regrets because, as Todd could tell you, I was very selective about what I bought when I was at Con. I mean, there were I had lists of things that I wanted, like most of my, in fact, most of my Con exclusive stuff I would always buy on preview night, so the rest of the week I could just you know browse the floor, and if I came across something that I wanted that I hadn't seen, I could still buy it. Um, and often, often I would wait until Sunday, those early few years and see if something I wanted was discounted or if they were willing to barter on it. I don't have any any um, con-exclusive sales um, regrets, but I do have clutter regrets. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. A, a friend of mine clued me, clued me in about five years ago on the fact that um, on Sunday, close to 5 o'clock, yep. they would just start giving away the con the con exclusive um, bags, right? The the you know the programs and the bags and all that okay. kind of stuff for free. They would just give away any extras that they had. You got in line and you could go through the line as often as you could until they ran out of whatever whatever the bags were. Anyway, um, and so and so I was like, oh cool, I'll get these and sell them on eBay. <laughs> have I sold any of them on eBay? <laughs> nope, I have not. <laughs> Did you attempt? Uh, no, okay, I have. Okay, that's <laughs> However, now that I am underemployed for at least another semester, there will be a big show, uh, big show prod uh, eBay uh, sale coming up very Ooh. soon. Well, I tell you uh, what, when you do that, let us know, and we'll put it on the show. There so you go. I sure will. So people know that the, the good stuff's for sale. And if anybody's <laughs> working, we might buy some. Exactly. <laughs> I got you. So, yes, I have tons of Supernatural uh, Comic-Con exclusive bags. I have uh, Gotham. I have uh, Batman 66. I have the 100. I have tons of the 100. <laughs> um. Now, Steve, what? I actually... That, 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 that should be a regret. That, yeah. <laughs> You didn't the pay fact, money, but that should be a regret. The fact that I have tons of the 100 is a major regret. Now, they I, make great shopping bags. As, <laughs> it, is, it actually as, is a really good bag. As somebody that has been going to Comic-Con for a long time. It was back in 1973, it was, <laughs> where, the, where the only major celebrity actually had something to do with writing and drawing comics. Oh, uh, one of one of my favorite things on Sundays, not just the you know the collectibles discounts, but was going to the actual comic book booths. Yeah, because they would do like these amazing deep discounts, or they'd do like a bundle thing where it, like it's like pick any like twenty comics and you get it for like ten bucks. Yeah, I mean, like ridiculously inexpensive. So that was where I would typically pick up like the the comics that I'd been looking for for a while. Um, I got some amazing deals on those. Um, is that something they had always done, or was that something more yeah. in like the two thousands? His no, historically Sunday. If you want, if you were like looking at something, and it was just like slightly out of your price range, and you wanted to gamble. You could almost always count on Sunday. If that thing was still there, you could get it for like half price. Okay. That is no longer the case. That yeah. has not been the case for at least 10 years, if not more. I was going to say 2011, I believe, was the last year I went. Yeah, probably the whole, oh, we got to sell off our stock. We don't want to take all this home. And now it's like... Well, now they can sell it online. Because right. I know it used to be easier for them to just 
deep discount sell it off than to yeah. pack it back up and ship it back to wherever. Yeah, because a lot of these places would actually bring like, you know, two U-Hauls yes. or like a giant U-Haul and the, and the trip going back would be like a U-Haul that was half the half the space. So it just made more economic sense for them to just deep discount all their stuff and that way they're either only using one truck or using half a truck. And that just, yeah, like you say, I I believe that's the case. I believe the actually, the eBay has yeah. killed the deep Sunday discount. Actually, that does remind. I did go for a day in 2016 because I was already in San Diego for the right. the Star Trek uh, Beyond premiere. I'm and glad you clarified that. I remember, <laughs> I, I remember going in there because like. Um, I had a couple friends said, "Well, if you're going to be there, can you look for these exclusives?" Oh, he's really for me? clarifying it. So I went on the floor, <laughs> and every and I'm and I'm not kidding you. Of the five things I was looking for, every booth that I went to, that it was supposed to be a con exclusive, they were like, "Oh, we sold out like the first day, but you can still order it from our website." Yep. And I'm sitting here going, "I'm like, then what is the point of even having the item here if you sold out on the first day?" And that's the thing. And people back in Vegas are like, "What is the point of even knowing Jeff as a friend?" <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like texting these friends of mine. I'm like, "Couldn't get your item, but you can order it on their website." And here's the info. And they're like, "Oh, well, thanks for looking for me." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, well, um, glad yeah. I had one day at Comic Con to do this for you." Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that was the thing. Uh, as soon as. <laughs> As soon as you had to start getting in line to get a ticket to possibly yes. get oh, in line God, yeah. to possibly buy the con exclusive, I was like, I'm done. Yep. I'm yeah. done. This and so anytime friends would ask me, Can you get, pick me up the exclusive? Like I said, only if I don't have to stand in line. Yeah. I said otherwise Oh, and they're like, Fuck you, I'm calling Jeff. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that you know that that reminded me of why I was so frustrated with 2011. It's of like, course you were. yeah, the ticket to get in the line to see if you could get another raffle ticket to get. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was I was done. That 2011 is when Comic Con became line line. Con. Actually, it was yep. really before that. Right. The the that was they the doubled down. For me, that was the extreme year. That was like, nope, that's yeah. it. The straw that broke the camel's back was when they was when they stopped selling the next year's Comic-Con tickets at this year's Comic-Con because too many people want, wanted to do it. And then you, had the, then you had the experience of people standing in line all day to be first in line the next day to get next year's Comic-Con. I go, are you fucking kidding me? You're giving up an entire day of Comic-Con yeah. so you can come just to be in line year. for next year? Wow. You people are insane. But it's much better now because now you spend an entire day hitting F F five on your <laughs> yeah, computer. <laughs> to be fair, you only spend one hour before you know that you're fucked. Oh, that's true. <laughs> okay. All right. And you can go about your day. Yeah, I did. And, and enjoy the rest of Comic Con. You go about your day grumbling on eBay about how Comic Con's too big. They should move it to Las Vegas or Los Angeles or some other place in San Diego. And it's like, no. 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 Too much. San Diego gives them too much money and too much good stuff. And and nothing, nothing, nothing in Las Vegas, nothing in Los Angeles will ever compete with a gaslight district. Nope. Which is right across the street. Yep. It's it's proper. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, let's get into some news. How about some news you don't give a shit about? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Andy. Jesus Christ, we want you back. <laughs> oh, did, uh, slow your roll there, Todd. Slow your roll. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I, I believe I can. I can um, uh, uh, um, 
No. Go for it. No, no. Wow. Words I, are not I'm going to have shut it down now. All right. <laughs> I, I, can, I believe I can replicate this. Yeah, I'm glad I turned that down. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> Mitch, don't give a shit about <laughs> too much fireball. You're cut off. <laughs> Look, he still hasn't even finished his half second. His his fourth one. <laughs> By the way, I, I want to just interject this Go really ahead, quick. please. We're at Snane and Duration. Big fans of Star Trek. Big experience. fans of Star Trek. Look up uh, my mic away. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't hear what you just said because well. you pulled your goddamn mic away. Oh, thank God. And uh, <laughs> wow. Okay, so uh, wait a minute. <laughs> What are you... You're pouring more. Okay. Please continue so, before uh, the chaos engulfs <laughs> us all. Uh, what the hell was I talking about? We're all there. We're at a friend's house. Uh, yes, we're at a friend's house. We're having dinner. Uh, Jeff had shown up, and uh, Steve was there. And there was another friend there. I won't mention his name, but this is someone we hadn't seen in a while. And we were telling a whole bunch of stories. And Steve got on this lovely jag of... Yeah, when I was going to school in Europe with friends, and I found this one, you know, we'll just call her, you know, Letitia. She, Letitia had never been drunk before. Alicia. Alicia. And so I was like, well, Alicia, I'm going to get you drunk. And he spends the next 10 minutes talking about how he and his friends, um, and they're in Europe, you know, this is okay. where, this is where, like, you have lunch, there's wine. Yes. You know, so how they would like, you know, she'd turn one way and they'd sneak in and talk Oh, against her, her will. And yeah. uh, 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 and Steve is just talking about, hey, we just... Should we be talking about this? Well, the, the point is because about after 10 minutes of that, I was like, uh, I turned to the other friend who had... Um, visited let's 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 call him mark and i went so mark this ought to be a good time to ask how long have you been sober <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> and steve is like oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, oh. now mind you this is after steve pin it, pin it, polished off a whole bottle of wine by himself <laughs> You are not incorrect, sir. Kirsten, <laughs> get that bottle away from him before oh something else implodes. Well, I, then I started on the on the keg of Burgundy, oh too. Oh, my God. He's got a whole jug in my kitchen. My kitchen. It it, 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 it was funny, too, because at one point they, they were like, what would you like to uh, drink, Steve? Let's, we got this. And she pulls out this one wine bottle. She's like, "This there's this old Merlot, you know, blows off the dust and gives it. And Steve looks at it and goes... You know, I might have, I might have, I might have brought this like last year. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, it was some two, well, three buck chuck now, uh, Merlot, which what? is one of my go-tos. <laughs> Just a oh my god! Well, it's okay, o- it's obviously in the right category. You <laughs> <laughs> don't give a shit about. <laughs> it. Universal Pictures is rebooting the Mummy. Spin-off story, The Scorpion King. Oh, yeah. Uh, the new film is being developed under original star Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Danny Garcia's Seven Buck production banner. Oscar nom- Seven Buck. Yeah, see, Seven Buck check. Oscar nominated. <laughs> That's the good stuff. Uh, straight out of Compton writer Jonathan Herman is set to write the script. Framed as a prequel to the Mummy series, the first Scorpion King movie brought Dwayne Johnson over from the Mummy franchise for an early career starring role. 
Johnson played the legendary desert warrior Mathiris. Mathiris, sure, in a story whose events unfold 5,000 years before the events of 1999's (laughs) The Mummy and his 2001 sequel, The Mummy Returns. The original Scorpion King ended up making $179 million worldwide against a $60 million budget. A sequel came in 2008's The Scorpion King 2, Rise of a Warrior, uh, though Johnson did not return for that straight-to-video release. Ah, you know, I think the subtitle for that is Straight Out of Egypt. (laughs) (laughs) The Scorpion King. Yeah. Uh, Itself kind of a, a stretch as far as a spin-off from the successful but waning after each one mummy series. Right. So thoughts on a standalone, we're just going to do the Scorpion King because it made us money once. The Rock. The Rock. But he's not going to probably be the Scorpion King. Uh, Do you know that? We don't know that, but according to this article, it doesn't seem like it's probable. Uh, I was going to say... The reason that I could see for them doing this is because even if you put him in a producer role, The Rock is a shameless promoter of the things that he's in and will promote the hell out of that just even from a producer standpoint. It's like, this is something that my company's been working on and you definitely got to go check it out. And a lot of people follow him in his social media, um, his YouTube channel, etc. So... I think they're banking on the fact that because he's going to produce this, that it'll have a ready-made audience, even if he's not starring in it. That's my take on it, anyway. What the hell, Steve? It's just, it's the drunkie talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the nosy. Wow. I'm sorry I loaded him up so quick. <laughs> Interestingly enough, uh, a couple weeks ago, I watched this YouTube video about these, uh, these guys and their... 20s, maybe early 30s, that have their own little production company, and they've been doing these series of YouTube videos. Yeah, where um, they look at movies that maybe it had poor CGI, and then they redo it. So they did. Yeah, this is the one that Kirsten brought up about a month and a half ago. Okay, well, (laughs) (laughs) and we watched that night at Kirsten's house. Maybe that's when I watched. (laughs) It is. It's still nonetheless impressive how well they did with recreating that. The, the Scorpion King. It, that, looked, it, it wasn't perfect, but it looked a lot better it, than the it, original. It, it looked good, and they, they gave themselves, was it one day, right? Yes. It was yeah. a one 24 day hours, yeah. And um, it was also illuminating because they talked a hell of a lot about what you go through to create this stuff. Yep. And they didn't just talk about what they were going to do, they talked about processes. Uh, at the time yeah. that it was done. What they would have done in and the it's very uh, fascinating. 2000s. Very yep. fascinating. Yeah, the Corridor crew, he said, being sober enough to remember their name, um, is that they have a great channel because they do a lot of uh, videos about the Corridor recruit. Uh, the Corridor crew reacts to good slash bad special effects. Right. Yeah, they go through the process. Well, what they've missed here is blah, blah, blah. And yeah, in the intervening twenty something years since Scorpion King, the CGI programs have improved so much more. You so hope. well, yeah. So part of me is like, if the Rock is involved in this, like even as an on-screen presence, I'm kind of okay with it, just because the CGI has improved as much as it has. 
the, the Scorpion King movie did not suffer from the CGI issues that The Mummy 2 did. Right. That introduced the character. A potential with this is that if you're releasing The Scorpion King without even without the mummy behind it. Right. You have now just freed yourself up to tell, let's tell a story about ancient Egypt and make it really interesting. Right. So it, it does at least release the shackles of the series it's based from. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with Universal having basically jettisoned their entire dark universe, you know, thing, then yeah, then you could make a nice standalone movie based on that. And it would be fun. Especially if The Rock is involved, I'm on board. If he's not, I would have to see reviews. Yeah. Well, you know, it. Uh, there's a potential for a, a very cool fantasy movie. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, that is not Northern European based. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, you <laughs> drunken lush SJW, but. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't social justice warrior be our, be our go-to position? I'm just saying. No, you don't like, give a shit about it. <laughs> <laughs> Interrupt the tongue. <laughs> Good Christ, look at how much he filled that. Oh, he it's not a shot glass. Jesus. It's a goddamn rocks glass. It's full. <laughs> Put it on ice, I say. And it's, it's oh, it's oh. going to get better from here, folks. And he pulls an Andy. I did. Only a minor Andy. Oh. <laughs> uh, you just don't give a shit about paranormal activity is He's rebooting. He's not going to go home tonight. No, no, you get to deal with it. Yeah. I'll put him on the fucking couch. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Yeah. I'm a big guy. (laughs) Give me a couple hours. (laughs) It's only it's only seven or eight. Seven thirty? Eight? Paranormal activity is rebooting. Quote, I am writing the new paranormal activity movie, said Christopher Landon. We're rebooting that franchise. I'm super excited about the director, but I can't say who it is because they won't let me. He's a get. He's awesome. I think people are going to be really surprised by where we're taking this thing, unquote. The paranormal activity franchise is huge for Blumhouse Productions. It was the first movie. Uh, the first movie brought in $193.4 million worldwide, put the studio on the map as a hub for horror films. Since then, they've gone on to produce many high-profile horror movies, including Get Out, The Purge, and the Landon-directed Happy Death Day. Uh, the Paranormal Activity reboot hits theaters on March 4th, 2022. I was going to say, I mean, I, I had to check to make sure I had this right. They did six Paranormal Activity films already. Yes. Jesus. The last one was in 2015. So why do they, I guess, need to technically reboot it? Because... Wouldn't it just be a sequel again anyway? I mean... That's my question. Because each one had its kind of its own separate storyline, right? Eventually, yeah. Especially once you get to like three on. Yeah, they're linked, but they're completely different dealios. Yeah. Uh, but they started to tell more and more of a a mythology within the story. But of yeah, course, okay. as what usually happens as they add on to it becomes more convoluted. And so I can see them wanting to wipe the slate clean. Uh, now... Me, I come in with a lot of bias on this one because I like the Paranormal Activity movies, and that includes the last ones. Really? Yeah. That so far, I'm done with found footage movies in general, except the Paranormal Activities movies. They, those guys still know what the hell they're doing when they when they do the found footage stuff. Wow. Even that one that was set in the '80s, where the only quibble I had was your aspect ratio was wrong. <laughs> you know, there should be there should be TV aspect it should ratio. Be four point three. Yeah. But they've 
the paranormal activity movies have always delivered. And, and yeah, so even the like Apollo 18, I was like, oh, for God's sake, how do they get this footage back to Earth? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, hmm. it's, it's like, it's like all these found footage, I'm kind of done with it, except the paranormal activity. So, yeah, like Jeff said, why do they need to reboot? Can it just be another sequel to the, to the franchise? I, I think that, I think one, I think it's a mythology reset. Sure. Um, and two, there is a lot of fatigue for that series. Yeah. So I, I think it's them just kind of going, okay, we'll start new, new mythology, ease it out. It's ridiculous. And it's Blumhouse. We've learned some things since then. It's ridiculous, too, how the R word can actually uh, uh, you know, brush off that fatigue. It's, yeah. it's kind of bizarre. We're doing a reimagining. We're doing a reboot. You know, it, and and so many re's, right? As long as you don't say remake, which or re-re, that's just not yeah, acceptable anymore. Yeah, really. But it, it's it's they do that, and actually, qu- quite often, it does actually kind of restart. I mean, it's not a huge jump, but it'll actually put a little more life into it, so they get more more money back than they would have if they'd just done number seven or number eight. It's bizarre. Oh, and that's, it. that's it right there. So yeah. what you're yeah. saying is it's yeah. a marketing tactic. It, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, you yeah, know. It, I, I, why I, add to this convoluted mythology when we can just a, make it easier on ourselves and make more money doing it? It's right. a relabel. Ah. Yeah. Well, really. <laughs> relabel. Yeah, it's it, the, show, <laughs> the show biz aspect of it makes perfect sense, but it's like, yeah, well, well, it's also, I mean, it's kind of funny because here we are quibbling, you know, about sequels, right? <laughs> and so when they come and they restart and, and like kind of sweep the table clean, we turn around and we get bitter about that too. It's just sort of, you know, yeah. they're not going to win. So, you know, why not go for the buck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, Todd? It's show business. <laughs> Todd's got a weird look on his face. I always have a weird look on my face. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Is it because I'm drunk? Partially, maybe. Ninja <laughs> um, <laughs> don't give a shit about. All right. <laughs> Andy's like, oh, I'm missing this. Damn it! <laughs> You're not missing it, Andy. You're really not. Ninja don't give a shit about. In October, uh, music copyright holders started throwing thousands of DMCA takedown requests at Twitch, prompting the streaming platform to start removing a massive amount of videos. Twitch offered no warning. No explanation and, more importantly, no appeals process before videos were removed. Uh, Some of their live streams had taken down due to copyrighted music in the background, naturally, and the streamers were upset. Uh, When they asked Twitch how they could actually play games if seemingly everything was copyrighted, Twitch offered players the option of, hey, turning off in-game audio as the solution. GamesIndustry.biz is reporting that not only are streamers and uh, videos receiving copyright strikes for music, they're also receiving takedown notices for in-game sound effects. Really? The publication notes that Twitter users say they're getting DMCA strikes for a variety of sounds, such as wind effects, a grandfather clock, bird and insect noises, and a police siren. Not that copyright holders are going after sound effects, too. Basically... No audio for any game can be played without receiving a DMCA strike. 
This tracks with Twitch's response to questions stating that streamers should broadcast without any in-game audio. Uh, but Twitch doesn't seem to be considering any kind of pushback on the copyright holders. So no more Wilhelm? Sure, I whatever that Twitch thing is, yeah. Wilhelm <clears throat> is the classic it will ah! scream it's in, in every... Wow. Jeez, Louise. You know, you really have Lucas to say the Wilhelm movie. scream for yeah. me to actually... Because it's Twitch, there's probably a thousand Wilhelms. Lord knows there's no three kidding. Master Torgos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so it, is that also like Twitch maybe... Is Twitch possibly thinking, oh, well, you know what? Uh, not all of our money is in uh, video game players, so... Yeah. Uh, perhaps, but I will say I, a massive percentage of them are. Hmm. When it comes down to it, that's where the, it began. And though, yes, people have been doing, you know, like Ice Cream Social does their show on Twitch and so on. So there's certainly shows on there that aren't video game related. Right. Uh, but to basically say, if you're going to play a video game, uh, don't stream any audio from the game is pretty goddamn strong in an idiotic way. That see, this is where these things need to be worked out. It, you know, so far as rights. Well, anyway, I, I think it's better summed up with they better figure it out because yes, their service is being used by people for without video games, but the people that are making Twitch the most money by having the most viewers are doing it through video games. Right. So unless you want to see these people jump ship to some other place and take their viewership with them best get this figured out and soon yeah i've never yeah. i've never understood why they had those co those kinds of copyright strikes anyway because especially on a platform like twitch that's free advertising for your game and when you have that full-on multimedia experience you know you're being able to see and hear the game being played that's going to encourage more people to go out and buy your game that is advertising that oh, sure. you 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 can't buy, and you can't put a price on. But isn't one of see, the foundations of copyright you got to protect it? Yeah. See, Jeff, what you're talking about there is common sense. Right. That doesn't exist in corporate America. No, but you got. But you yeah. there are fair use exceptions to copyright. Well, yeah, but you're, you're talking doing, about you're talking about DCMA, right. which is which is an expansion of the whole, and it's it's actually a very very corrupt law. Right. It's actually yeah. a bullshit corrupt law yeah. that totally no, favors it, corporations. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was signed at a time where none of these things existed. Well, that so. and the fact that it was it was uh, it was probably one of those examples of a law that business interests wrote, mm -hmm. gave to the legislators and they enacted. Right. Either that or even with the best of intentions behind it, like you want, you do want to protect intellectual property, that, you know, California's kind of going through its own thing, own thing like this with AB5, where with the best of intentions, you want to go after a problem of employers, um, employers exploiting their employees. But instead of going at it with a scalpel, they went at it with a sledgehammer. And, yeah, and it's the same kind of thing. And it's like, dude, you, you got to understand how this marketplace works. And it doesn't take away from the marketplace to show these things on Twitch. 
people, right. people actually get excited about it. It's like, oh, look at that game. And they will probably eventually purchase that game to play it on their own because of they found it exciting to watch other people play it on, on Twitch. What has been made clear in this whole thing is that we're assuming that the DMCA takedowns are from the copyright owners themselves. Oh, right. We don't really know that because it seems like they're just doing a blanket DMCA for everything that uses sound. On the that nose. It could be, yeah. And so it's, to me, it feels like, because Amazon owns Twitch now, that Amazon is like, you know what, let's just avoid any kind of copyright right. li- lawsuits down. Let's not get into what YouTube's had to deal with for these last few <laughs> years. And let's just say that we can, no one can use this now, anything. Just to protect ourselves legally. Given my experience with uh, the Ugly Couch Show and putting that up on YouTube with the the bot strikes that we were always getting, I get that. And that's most likely what has happened with Twitch is they've put their algorithms in there and said, you know, this is going to search for our copyrighted material because I know that the reason a lot of that was enacted on YouTube was to prevent people from re-exhibiting full-length movies, television shows, etc., as opposed to somebody reviewing a 30-second clip. Right. Which, sadly, didn't work because people still post full-length television episodes, movies, that kind of thing. And they just... The weird thing is they do this thing where they, like at a certain point in the movie or TV show, just substitute their own audio, for instance, to get around the copyright law. And it's like, that... (laughs) It's just such a because I've watched those and I'm like, what is going on now? And it's like, oh yeah, this is that thing where they do the audio subs. So you miss like five minutes of the movie, <laughs> audio wise, because somebody substituted their own audio for the movie's audio. That's five minutes of my life I'm never getting back. <laughs> right, priceless. <laughs> yeah. This is Weekend Geek. Woo. Wow, it took us so long to get there. I wonder if that had anything to do with me and the fireball. Yes. <laughs> uh, the CW is developing Wonder Girl, a drama series based on the DC characters created by Janelle Jones. Uh, written by showrunner Daylin Rodriguez, and Wonder Girl centers on Yara Flor, a Latina dreamer who was born of an Amazonian warrior and a Brazilian river god, learns that she is a Wonder Girl. With her newfound power, must fight the evil forces that would seek to destroy the world. Uh, this would mark the first Latina superhero title uh, character for a DC TV series. Uh, Rodriguez, who is the daughter of Cuban immigrants, is executive producing with Greg Berlanti, of course. Uh, Wonder Girl is the alias of multiple DC comic superheroes. The original Wonder Girl, Donna Troy, was created by Bob Haney and Bruno uh, Premiani, and yeah. first appeared in the Brave and the Bold number 60 in 1965. Uh, the alias has also been used in reference to a younger version of Wonder Woman as a teenager. Hmm. So, but yes, uh, Wonder Girl uh, coming to the CW DC universe. Oddly enough, that is a corner of the DCU that I'm not familiar with, but I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting too because you have yet another DC CW show that is coming out with a a diverse cast and. Apparently, recently, uh, there's been some attacks on the upcoming Superman and Lois show because there is no diversity in that cast. It's like all white people and then one person 
that's a person of color, and apparently that person is slated to be a villain. So it's like, what is that saying for that? You know, you have a character that is probably the most popular character ever in media, on the screen, paper, etc., and you're you're not being right out front and diverse with a cast when you have a, a stellar opportunity what, to what, do what, something with it. What, what is different about the creative team behind that? It's the same creative team that, it, it, that it, has helped with most of the shows. It's very, yeah. Well, that's very bizarre because yeah. it's like CW is... is it's been pretty darn diverse. Yes, yeah, it's well exactly. known for that. Yeah, and, and the behind the scenes is really, really diverse. And so to pick one show out of the Berlantiverse as being somehow regressive it seems to me like you're bigging you're you're missing the big picture if you look at the entire Berlantiverse right it, it's and matter of fact I was telling Kirsten this the other day I dropped one of my Facebook pages the old guys who like old comics because I was tired of the you know subtle racism sexism classism thing of that site because they could not get into the 21st century and and now you've got the Berlantiverse which they would often criticize as being uh, SJW right first off if you're using SJW you're right you're, you're already you're probably off. garbage right you're already off off way off base especially if you're an old guy who likes old comics and didn't learn any lessons from Green Lantern Green Arrow or the X-Men yeah, because I, I remember when, uh, I think it was right after Flash came out, and they were talking about ethnicity swaps with with characters in the Flash. Like, like and, Iris? And, yeah, and they, and people were losing their minds. And like I'm like, I don't have a problem with it. She's an amazing actor, and <laughs> the two of them have amazing charist- chemistry. Yeah. So what's the problem? But, yeah. you know, it's that it's that subtle bigotry that you were talking about. and Yeah, and I often have this conversation with, again, a friend of mine from high school, and he often goes off on this, and I was like, look... You know, Rory, we're we're of a generation that that where the default ethnicity was Northern European characters. We're in the twenty first century now, right? We're in the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I find no problem. My biggest problem with, for instance, Jimmy Olsen in on Supergirl was yeah. not that he was black, but he was that the, was that he was the GQ Jimmy Olsen. It's like, it's like, go ahead and make him black. That's cool. That's awesome. But he should not be a stud. It should be. It should still be Jimmy Olsen, right? And um, yeah, so I have no problem with this. I have no problem with the black bat girl, Batwoman either. It's like, come on, you guys. We're, all the comics that we grew up with were from a time when Northern European white was the default. The pool's big. Come on in. Yeah. But stay six exactly. feet away. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Stay six feet away. Wear a mask. Which we're talking about comic book characters. So we're there not you go. living hey, yeah, in the past or the present anymore. <laughs> this is the future. This is the future. Huh? I'm waiting for my flying car. <laughs> a scripted TV series about Elon Musk and SpaceX is in development at HBO with Channing Tatum executive producing. The project will be a limited series of six episodes that adapt Ashley Vance's nonfiction book from 2015, Elon Musk, Tesla, SpaceX, and the quest for a fantastic future. 
The narrative follows Musk as he develops the first SpaceX rocket and launches it into orbit with a handpicked team of engineers on a remote island in the Pacific. Uh, Doug Young, who did uh, Star Trek Beyond and Cloverfield Paradox, will write and executive produce the show. I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> as, I mean, a scripted series is where you kind of threw me. Because, I mean, there's enough documentaries out there about that whole story. Yeah, that's why this story. is so different. Yeah, it's yeah. like th- that that have a great story to tell. I just, I don't see this being made into a drama this early. You it's know? the right stuff, but made yeah. really quickly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> too soon, too soon. Which, uh, they just launched the the first crew. Yes, they did. Um, yeah. Official commercial crew program. Yeah, in fact, they'll be there today. in a few there. hours, right? Yeah. Yep. Or oh, not damn. today, sorry, Sunday night. There, um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, are we still nothing. in the news you don't give a shit about? No. No. Okay, no, we, can geek? we can yes. geek. Yeah. I, it is too soon, but what the hell? We're, we're living on a 24-hour news cycle, so, you know. A 12-month <laughs> docudrama series Well, it cycle. is based on a book written five years ago. Right, right. <laughs> right. So there's that. And, Who's going to play Elon Musk is Tom my big Cruise. question. Yeah. yeah. Or Jeff Goldblum. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, too, like tall. He'll, too tall. Too uh, tall. He is too tall. He, uh, 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 he's too tall. <laughs> I got a winky. Good. <laughs> I'm Paul. I'm Paul, by the way. <laughs> Headphones off. Headphones off. <laughs> that, that could be fun. Uh, Netflix will be adapting the Ubisoft video game Beyond Good and Evil into a movie using a blend of animation and live action. Uh, Rob Letterman, uh, who did uh, Detective Pikachu and Goosebumps, is set to direct. No screenwriter is currently attached to the project. Beyond Good and Evil is set in the 25th century and tells the story of Jade, a photojournalist who teams up with the underground resistance to fight back the alien attackers who invade the remote mining planet in which she lives. The game was considered a commercial failure initially, despite being released to critical acclaim. And of course, it's kept a very cult status ever since. Didn't we already do a red light, green light on this? This sounds very familiar. No, this, this is a movie. So we don't do a red light, green okay. light on movies. Because this sounds really, really familiar. Anyway, great. <laughs> All right. Kevin Smith has been tapped to develop an animated Green Hornet series set in modern day Century City. The project will be more family oriented, centering on the son of the original Green Hornet and the daughter of the original hero's right hand man, Cato. Smith previously wrote a Green Hornet comic book for Dynamite Entertainment a decade ago. It was based on an unused screenplay that he had penned for Miramax in the early 2000s. The hero's modern blockbuster debut arrived in 2011 by way of Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, and Michael Gondry. Uh, Dynamite launched a new Hornet comic uh, a couple of months ago. The Green Hornet traces its roots back to the radio dramas of the 1930s, created by George W. Trendle and Fran Stryker. The Green Hornet is secretly Britt Reed, a wealthy newspaper publisher by day and crime fighter by night. With the help of their high-tech car known as Black Beauty, Reed and Cato strike fear into the hearts of wrongdoers. In addition to spawning numerous comics, toys, and film serials, the character also enjoyed a 1960s-era TV show that starred Bruce Lee as Cato. Now, see, what Brit Reed son should have been Cato's son. Cato's son is the Green Hornet. Right. And then maybe Katie Reed is Katie, his sidekick. You know? I like I, it. I don't care. Just, it, I, good. 
<laughs> Damn it, Kevin. <laughs> you know better. I'm very, I'm, uh, oh, I'll, I'll, I'm, and family oriented. It's going to be weird how they squeeze in all those pot references in a family oriented yeah, cartoon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Paramount Pictures has purchased the big screen rights to Elsie Chapman's Caster fantasy series of novels. Akiva Goldsman is producing the adaptation, published last September, like a year ago last September. Caster is set in a world where magic is both real and illegal. Using it comes with a terrible cost, as the main character, Aza Wu, very well knows magic killed her sister. When Aza is invited to compete in a secret casting tournament, she finds herself caught between investigating police and a dangerous gang leader. Uh, the Rap writes that the readers have described the book as a mixture between Fight Club and Avatar The Last Airbender. All right. Whoa. Okay. I, I, I zoned out there briefly, but you brought me back to Fight Club and Airbender. <laughs> <laughs> wow. A lot to unpack there. That's uh, If you think that's a fun combo, uh, Sony Pictures has, brought, has bought the rights to Aftershock's comics The Kaiju Score. Described by co-creator and writer James Patrick as a mixture of Quentin Tarantino and Godzilla. <laughs> All right. The story follows a group of thieves as they try to pull off a grand heist in the middle of a giant monster attack. <laughs> what? Uh, the Kaiju Score <laughs> comic book number one goes on sale uh, a week from Wednesday. <laughs> All right. So, you know, okay. big monster attacking. This is our chance to get there the bank. Sure. Let, let's like, gather the usual suspects. Like, and, for instance, let's do a major heist in the middle of a major storm. Sure. <laughs> you know, there you go. When else are you going to do it? Right. If the kaiju is a force of nature, sure. Sure. Well, the, you also have the one that's going on Netflix, the the heist that happens in the middle of an undead attack. <laughs> there you go. This is happening everywhere. Where do you, what do you heist during an undead attack? I mean, uh, aren't you kind of like money? I assume not, it's early in the undead attack. Uh, yeah, money doesn't matter in an undead <laughs> early attack. <laughs> money doesn't matter tonight. It sure didn't matter yesterday. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, just watch season four of Rick and Morty, the heist episode. Yeah, God, there you go. That That's all I have to say about episode. that. Yeah, that is a very good one. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. It's been a while, and they've been piling up. Let's do some red light, green light. Red light, green light. Green light. Such a fun game to play. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you say. They're going to make this shit anyway. Woo-hoo! Oh, oh, my goodness. I need more Red Bull. Red ball. Red, wait, fireball. You need no. some more red ball. Red right? ball. No, you don't. Red ball. What? That's exactly How what you How dare you? <laughs> I need hey, some right. red I will. You're cut off. All right. All right. I will yeah. I will I will accept the cutoff in this. The trained the trained bartender has spoken. <laughs> yes. Yes. I I will accept the, uh, that decision. Because good lord, I had to stagger to the restroom just now. I heard I, I know. I doubt it. <laughs> I do. I I'm old now. I I learned my lesson in the mid '80s. What can I tell you? I'm right there. I'm right on the edge. <laughs> Thank you for telling us. I, you know, I have friends that often would tell me they knew how drunk I was, but how often I told them how drunk I was. So there you go. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Here we go. It's time for red light, green light. The pitches have been piling up. So we, here we go. Although, you know what? We got an issue, guys. We got an issue. We are running out of money. 
So the heads of the studio have passed down to me that we are only allowed to have two green lights in these next four pitches. All right? Wow. So use them wisely because that's all the money we can spare around here. All right? So knowing that, here are the four pitches that we're going to be dealing with. It's going to be the Adams Family, Where the Wild Things Are, a show called Brain Box, and I'm a Killer Maid. So with that in mind... <laughs> My reflex is to red light the first two right off the bat. <laughs> but I'll at least hear the pitch. So this is what we're going to do. This, instead of what we've been doing in the past, I'm going to read through the pitch. We can discuss it a little bit, but we won't say whether we're going to red light or green light it until we've gone through all four pitches. And then we'll say which ones we want to green light here. So that you only get two. Mm. All right. That's new. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking new. <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> Jesus Christ. This show's wow. going to go over two hours. I can guarantee it. <laughs> more, 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 more what? More fucking what? <laughs> Oh. Uh. Hitching bitches get stitches. All right. <laughs> the first pitch is the Adams family. Tim Burton is developing a live action TV series based on the Adams family from the perspective of daughter Wednesday Adams. She'd lead the series, which would take place in the modern day. This adaptation would potentially be directed by Burton, who would also executive produce and show run by Smallville's Alfred Goh and Miles Miller. So there you go. So what do you think? I mean, you don't make a decision yet, but what do you think about this uh, live-action Adams Family, Tim Burton style? <clears throat> Tim Burton is an important name to include in that pitch. It is. That actually makes uh, a huge, uh, that's a huge factor. That's a huge cog in that little machine. So, yeah. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. I was gonna say yes and no, though. I mean, his last few projects have not been all of that great. Well, maybe he's been thinking of his Ma Adams family project the whole time, and he's been distracted. I, I don't know. It does seem like a perfect fit as far as style goes. Yeah, my thing with Tim Burton is he's almost always great when it is a project that he himself has originated when he is work for hire it's usually interesting but much less satisfying if this is a passion project for him i'm really on board but miles goff and who's the other guy the miles small, miller alfred goff and miles, miles uh, alfred goff and miles miller um i I still respect them for the work that they did on the first few episodes of Smallville. Those two episodes were great. <laughs> <laughs> they actually were there for through season seven. Oh, okay. And, and then they were like, we can't do it anymore given the budget that CW has given us and where we think the show should go versus where they think it should go. Um, <laughs> Their own rules started to come back and bite them on the ass in the end. <laughs> exactly. And they wanted to revise them in CW and, frankly, Tom Weller. 
said no. Weller? Yeah. Yeah. Welling? Welling. Yeah. Well, what, Tom Weller? Is it's the, the balls son, talking. He's, he's the son of Peter Weller and Tom Welling. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Steve. All right. Wrap this up. All right. Um, okay. I, I like the pedigree. Um, I like the Adams Family cu- coupled with Tim Burton. I'm willing to. Well, don't give your your light score yet. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm saying here. I'm saying this is where I'm at right now. So far, I'm thinking positive. Sure, sure. Uh, one thing I do like is the whole idea of taking the perspective of Wednesday Adams yeah. instead of just doing. This, we're just covering the like the movies. There, we're covering the whole family, and we're just going to see their vignettes and so on. I think you can tell a better, more longer and focused story by saying, okay, Wednesday Adams, our character, and how she deals with the real world and her family. Yeah. Although, yeah. with regard to Wednesday, I, I think it's 30 years too late because Christina was magnificent. She was yeah. amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely. All right, so that's uh, that's the first one to consider. The second one is Apple is partnering with Maurice Sendak Foundation to develop a new TV series based on where the wild things are for Apple TV. The multi-year agreement gives uh, Apple the green light to reimagine Murray Sendak's stories and characters for both series and one-off specials. In Where the Wild Things Are, Max dons his wolf suit in pursuit of some mischief and gets sent to bed without supper. Fortuitously, a forest grows in his room, allowing him a wild rampage to continue unimpaired. Uh, Arthur Yorinks, a longtime collaborator with the late authors, will team with Apple to develop the new streaming content under Yornick's Night Kitchen Studios production banner. And Sendak's extensive library of illustrated children's stories dates back all the way to 1947, with his first book uh, as both author and illustrator in 56 with Kenny's Window. In addition to Where the Wild Things Are, which earned Sendak a Caldecott Medal in 64, uh, other notable kids' tales include night, The Night Kitchen, Seven Little Monsters, and Outside Over There. So, there it is. Apple wanting to do Where the Wild Things Are as an extended series with some one-offs as well. Did, did, I, did I zone out? Was that live action or animated? That uh, seems... Uh, I don't think that was really specified. Ah, that's... Okay, so I didn't zone out. Because... Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean... I personally don't think i mean i i could be wrong obviously but i don't think you could do this as a live action i know they tried that once with the movie and it was not very good um if it were an animated series i could see that possibly having some success because uh, you because there's a lot of creative imagery in that book for its time i i think it's now been eclipsed over the decades since that <laughs> that book came out but um yeah i mean it depends on how it's presented and what format it takes well yeah that was the general thrust of my question so but you know it's always leave leave the thrusting to jeffrey yeah he's a good thruster <laughs> yeah yeah if it's if it's live action i think it's a one-off if it's live action, I think it's a one-off story, much like the movie. If they do it animated and use the entire Sendak oeuvre, as you, if you were, uh, then it could have some potentially future possibilities. It's a children's book. So it's, it's a neat children's book. Yeah. It's, 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 
it's about the uh, kid's imagination letting go for a night after he's been sent to bed. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like how the Grinch stole Christmas. It worked great as a half hour animated, you know, special. A two hour movie, it was okay, but it wasn't. It didn't nearly have any of the impact that the that the shorter twenty minute animated. I hadn't, I hadn't watched the animated Grinch in uh, uh, more than a decade. Yeah. This was years upon years ago that I watched it. And you know what, dude, like you just sort of said, I was shocked when I was like, how short this fucker was. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. This is over? Yeah. It's what in minutes. the fuck? Yeah, that was well, really, really. Yeah, 22 minutes with 22 commercials. 22 minutes with commercials. Yeah. yeah. That was really, I was really like, that, I don't remember this being this this fast that was i was uh, it didn't it didn't strike me that way as a the, kid the, the book is 17 pages long yeah exactly you can read the book in under 20 minutes well so. well <laughs> i hope so I would, have, <laughs> yeah. I would say that is a safe bet <laughs> yes <laughs> 20 minutes you're good yeah so yeah so that includes nap time thrown in there <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so doing no. doing like an expanded Maurice Sendak where the wild beasts are, it's like yeah, Thanks. Jeff said it. doing the movie version was okay. They did some really interesting stuff visually with that movie, but, but yeah, that was a Spike Jones joint. Right? Yeah, yeah, and it was, and that's was, and that's what Spike Jones does. He does visual experiments, right? Yeah, and it was really nice visual experimentation that I don't think warranted a full length feature film. A 20-minute or 30-minute episode would be great. All right. Duly noted. Third pitch. (laughs) Hulu has commissioned dystopian sci-fi series Brain Box. The show is being developed by Fox 21 Television Studios based on a short story uh, by sci-fi writer Christian Cantrell, which focuses on a climate engineering experiment that thrusts Earth into a new ice age. As a result, the world's most powerful nations all fight for control of the last habitable places on Earth along the equator. Amidst this superpower struggle, there emerges a young weapons specialist who creates a revolutionary, self-replicating AI army that transforms the fate of humanity. Cantrell's short story, uh, Kagan as it's called, is being adapted into a Michael Crichton-esque sci-fi thriller. He also recently sold the rights to his novella, The Epoch and in, in uh, how long are we The Imp Epoch Index to Fox Disney for a movie that's gonna be made Here. by Brad Payton. No, last thing I need is that bottle of devil sauce. Of Red Ball. <laughs> Red Ball. Red Balls. Red Ball. So Climate engineering experiment, everybody lives on the equator, and then a self replicating AI army in a brain box, gentlemen. What do you think? Oh, I I've, I've been intrigued since the title. Brain boxes, uh, it catches you. I like it. Uh, yeah, one of the one of the things that gets constantly thrown out about you know current ways of handling the climate uh, um, crisis emergency. Yeah, crisis emergency Shit is damn is <laughs> yeah is how how is it possible for humans to try to shut that down? And it's like it's possible, but the the problem remains that you could overshoot and lead to this scenario. So it's intriguing. Um, on the other hand, I'm really kind of tired of disaster movies at this point. 
Uh, by the way, it should be noted uh, at some time in the future, Steve is actually going to be working with DC Comics in creating their new crossover, Emergency on Infinite Earths. <laughs> Emergency, that's right. Emergency, <laughs> Emergency on Infinite Earths. That's exactly right. It's like, is it a crisis? It's really more of an emergency. <laughs> we need the heroes to all kind of collaborate to kind of solve this. This guy's transmission <laughs> broke down uh, on the side of the highway. I, I like this whole idea of the small habitable area. Mm -hmm. right? uh, not where the stories where all the earth is is obliterated and there's just small patches of. No, I like that. There's this. The civilizations are still there. They're just fighting over smaller areas. And then adding on top of this, this whole AI army aspect, which gives you feelings of Skynet or possibly even better uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh. Yeah. So I, I like that potential of, of that. We are in a crisis because of the warring that we're doing with each other with this smaller landmass. But now we have created a worse crisis that might potentially wipe us out for good. Yeah the one-two punch, if you will. Because yeah. I assume brain box is referring to the AI. Yeah. Right. And yeah. the whole the whole climate crisis thing, um, you can set up, uh, there are a bunch of scenarios, including like the Trump California scenario where you're like putting water in the ocean because there are a bunch of, you know, fish that need the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah killing me with this <laughs> yeah no the the solution imagine how i felt when he first said it <laughs> yeah oh boy yikes or or let's go and rake the forest no, no Jesus. um yeah the, the 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 issue of the cure being worse than the, than the disease is actually pretty pretty interesting yeah. I I really want you to just turn the script over to Steve, <laughs> right, like like right now. Yes, and I finish off the bottle. Yeah, I finish some more Red Bull. That's a lot of whiskey to finish off. Though. <laughs> I can do it. Steve's a big man. <laughs> I'm six four. Uh, we're getting to, we're getting to the point that I'm going to finish off the whiskey. <laughs> Two hundred seventy pounds. I can do it. Uh, challenge accepted. <laughs> The All right. challenge was never issued. Okay. <laughs> I'll accept it anyway. That's how big a guy I am. Number four, Todd, please. <laughs> All right, moving on to number four. Pitch number four. Legendary Entertainment is teaming with Tencent Pictures to bring the popular Chinese webcomic I'm a Killer Maid to the U.S. in the form of a TV series. Variety describes the comic as, quote, Mary Poppins turned John Wick. Adventure with Shades of Freaky Friday and Killing Eve. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> How many? What? How many references? I want to ship the rest of this bottle to the creators of that show. To legendary entertainment. Jesus. They took a little of this, a little of that, put it in a blender, and there you go. Yeah, okay. And shares that. Sh that <laughs> it's not over. And shares that. The show. Shares involved? <laughs> Shares that the show plans to touch on topics of, quote, gender identity and expression, male-female dynamics, and, and genre deconstruction. Here's and, and Nessie and Sasquatch. <laughs> and Here's the description. Oh, good. <laughs> what? Oh, that wasn't the description. <laughs> After retiring from the assassin group Mountain Sea. Well, okay. <laughs> we lost Steve already. Uh, Umbrella Academy, okay. Lead character, Bakai, 
tries to live a normal life as a housemaid for a shy, nerdy comic book writer who rarely leaves his house, only to accidentally swap bodies Condor with her boss. Wait, whoa! <laughs> Switch whoa! Yeah, right at the end there. Right? What Punch the, the gut. fuck? <laughs> See, the wow. assassin has to write the comic. It's gold. Oh, my God. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, let's take everything that's popular in the last 20 years and throw it in a blender. <laughs> <laughs> what a whipsaw. I went from this is really cool to, I don't know, to, hey, well, no, okay, this might be cool. No, it, no, it's not. <laughs> I know it's one of the top 10 overused lines in media, but it's so crazy. It just might work. <laughs> it just might work. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or pitch meeting. Wow, 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 wow. Well, how are they going to do that? I'm going to need you to get all the way on the back on how they're going to do that. How are they going to switch body? I need you to get on. Oh, my God. By the way, did you see the most recent one? We just watched it before you came in. Yeah. Uh, All right, so there's it. more to read. <laughs> no, I'm saying so Thank what God. are your thoughts on the uh, killer? I'm a killer maid. Um. Wow, there's there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Um, Almost too much. Like like I said, it's just so crazy and bizarre. It, it just could, might work. It could actually be something pretty good. I I don't know. I, <laughs> no, no that, it's, it's a, that's, that's reasonable response. That's, that that response is pretty much pretty much nails it. <laughs> just the I don't know. I, I will paraphrase Deb Hart by saying, I'm too drunk to comment on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it really sounds like a kitchen sink uh, uh, a kitchen sink pitch. It's like, yeah, let's just take everything that's been popular in the last 20 years, throw it in a blender, and see what sticks. Now, remember, this is apparently a popular Chinese webcomic. This has right. been in existence for yeah, a while. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, that's that's... That's the thing that's intriguing is there is at least potentially a billion people that have thought, yeah, that's awesome. I I don't really have much more comment to make on that than, than you know, a major majority of people in a certain part of the world have said, this is the most incredible thing I've ever read or watched. Or well, don't life. get excited, Steve. They just, it's a popular comic, it, you know. Now, May not have changed lies. Uh, wait a second. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a, uh, a message. Uh-oh. A message Uh-oh. from the higher-ups. Oh, dear. Uh, they're saying a little more money has uh, gotten to the coffers. Uh-oh. So oh, they no. are increasing. Our, we can have three green lights <gasps> on this one. Oh, what? wow. But the caveat is we have to listen to one more pitch. Oh, damn. So three green lights with five pitches. Oh, wait a all right. Oh, shoot. I already had my allotment. Right? <laughs> sorted out. It's a switcheroo. Like, I'm a killer maid in a comic body. <laughs> in a comic <laughs> that's, the, that's the name of the show, right? Wait, we're not going to hear a pitch about a, a, about in, in a, a comic body instead of the body of a comic book writer. <laughs> we're, we're not going to hear a pitch about What has happened to me? Why do I look like a comic <laughs> character? <laughs> what ad wizard thought up of this? We're not going to hear a, a pitch about a prodigy chess player who also is a mutant who um, is a an undead television. Anyway, never mind. I have no idea. More. more no. Uh, more no. No. <laughs> So here is the pitch sent down by the up and ups. So take this in consideration for your three greens. All right. 
1977 movie Smokey and the Bandit is getting a TV series remake from Halloween director David Gordon Green and Brian Sides. Where'd he go? Where did the, I, I just lost the <laughs> The movie followed two bootleggers, Bo Bandit Darville and Cletus Snowman Snow, attempting to illegally transport 400 cases of beer from Texarkana to Atlanta as they're being chased by the County Sheriff Buford T. Justice. As for the series, it's described as an, quote, epic adventure of family, small-town crime, unlikely heroes, legend, and legacy. Inspired by the genre of 70s and 80s drive-in double features, the series explores the crossroads where humble realities meet those larger than life, all in a blast of a tailpipe exhaust. Unquote. Gordon Green and Sides are both writing the script for the series, and Gordon Green will direct the pilot episode. He will also executive produce the show alongside Danny McBride. Gordon Green said in a statement, Growing up in the South, Smokey and the Bandit was an iconic franchise for me. The legacy of these characters is a playground of swagger and sass that I'm excited to dig into, unquote. Yes, excited. That's what I fucking said. Uh, I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. So there you go, guys. The the new Danny and the band. Danny McBride is the Tim Burton of this pitch. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like, I'm thinking... Uh, for me, a lot of it will depend. Would depend on who you cast as Buford T. Justice, right? So, because for me, because frankly, that's an iconic role, yeah. whether you like the show or not. Yeah, right. they, I mean, for me, he made the. I mean, you know, everyone uh, back in those days, everybody loved um, uh, Burt Burns, Reynolds, yeah. um, <clears throat> and but but really, Gleason was like an icing and cherry on top of that cake and really, really made it, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, so. he's the only thing that I personally ever found entertaining about that whole film. Right, right. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't love the film. I didn't hate right. it, but I remember at the time, everybody was like, oh my God, you got to watch Spooky and the Band. Yeah. You got to watch it. And I, I watched it, and I'm like... Yeah, yeah, but Gleason, Gleason, yes. <clears throat> Gleason really was funny. Stood I mean, out. <clears throat> I also like Jerry Reed, actually. But yeah, but sure. Gleason. I mean, the whole cast was good, but Gleason really, I think, made it for me. But McBride is a is a major is like Tim Burton for Adam's family. Right, and it kind when of, it comes and for, it kind of sells you what the tone is. Yeah, for right. a red right. redneck trailer hood uh, uh, type mm. of uh, TV series. That's who you want. I have three clarifying questions. Uh-oh. I might not be able to answer any of them. I completely understand that based on the information that you have. Uh, are there any Walking Dead involved? I'm going to just go on a limb and say no. Okay. Are there any wizards involved? I doubt it, but no promises in season three. Oh, sure. Uh, are there any superheroes involved? Uh, we'll have to wait for season yeah. five on that one, but probably not. Okay. That uh, yes, okay. <laughs> I, I hope that helps. <laughs> Steve has all the information he doesn't need. <laughs> all yes, right, yes. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. There's your pitches. You got Tim Burton's Adam's Family. Mm-hmm. You got Where the Wild Things Are. Mm-hmm. Brain Box. Mm-hmm. I'm a Killer Maid. Mm-hmm. And Smokey and the Bandit, the TV show. Mm-hmm. You got three green lights. What do you choose? Okay, Tim Burton, Adam's Family. Brain box, 
I got an extra green light. I'll go with crazy fucking made thing. Well, why don't why don't you go back in order and then ask red light green light? Oh, that, that's sure. Easy. That way, you, now that I've spoken, no. Well, he's he's trying to jot this don't, down. I don't worry about me. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't save my ass. Well, then, I want to know what you want. Uh, red, red, green, green, red. No, I need titles. <laughs> Give me titles. Um, Adam's family red. Boo. I just yeah. Boo. Um, Oh, the second one that well, I can't remember the title now. Uh, that's called "Where the Wild Things Are." Yeah, uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, that so one's a red. Do you remember? Where's the red um, ball? Brain box is a green. Yeah, I'm a was it killer maid? I'm a killer maid. Is a green mm. and a red for Smokey. Oh, you only wow. use a two of your three. Yeah. Oh, look I, at him sucking up to the bosses. Right. No, that's just Man, you, got, what some, an you got something on the tip of your nose there, Jeff. Yeah, it's called a red ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way. Yeah, just put that down. Bad Steve. Uh, indeed. So green on Adam's family. Mm-hmm. Adam's family, I'm sorry, that's just an that's just a bottomless well. If you get if you get good creative people Look, behind it. Look, well, and also what you said about if Tim Burton is like passionate about this project and I can't imagine him not be. This is right up his alley. So, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't find a better match of an established IP and creative, uh, you know, chief creative person behind it. Tim Burton, Adams Family, that's that's bread and butter. So, yeah, green light on that. Where the wild things are, I'll come back to that. Yeah, my thing, my thing there simply is, is it live or animated? Yeah. I, I, I can't. I can't believe it's not animated. I, be- I think it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Live action, it doesn't work for me at all. Animated has a chance. Was it Killer Maid? Brain Box. Brain Box. Uh, sure. We'll green light that. And Smoking the Bandit is definitely a red light. So my last green light is going to either Where the Wild Things Are or Killer Maid. Or oh, for God's sake, Steve. Well, it's a... It, what do you mean tough? Can't. What do you mean tough? Well, that's what you it get for wasting your green on Adam's family. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Oh, oh wow. the, oh. the guy who doesn't even use his fucking Stay green. Stay down, Steve. Dang. <laughs> ouch. Ouch. Both eyes are black and I'm missing a tooth. Uh, Jeez. Somebody throw in a tissue. <laughs> throw in a tissue. Um, hmm. <laughs> Should I come back to you? No, no, no. Because We're done. Because it, <laughs> wasn't, we because it wasn't specified as being either animated or live action. I'm going to have to go with Killer Maid. Okay. There you go. And my three greens are going to go for Tim Burton, Adam's family. I think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah. Uh, Brain Box, I, I think there's super potential there. I like the AI army and the whole equation. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, Whoa. I, one, I, I, there's nothing like it on TV right now, frankly. Well, yeah. Uh, and if it's, especially if they're throwing back to the original kind of style and being the... Uh, and plus, I like Green as a director. He was very good with the the new Halloween. Yeah. So, I'd like to see what he does with that. Danny, I, actually, Danny McBride didn't really even figure into this to me at all. It, it is the whole a throwback to the whole seventies and eighties car chase thing. We haven't had that for a while, and I do like Smokey and the Bandit. One and two, three is a fucking sucky movie. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about the whole Danny McBride thing, but with my deal. There you go. So. With this and all of ours applied, 
Brain Box gets the highest green light. Oh, yeah. Through and through. Oh, okay. Yeah. And with a tie between I'm a Killer Maid and Tim Burton's Adam's family, I'm sure Tim Burton would be glad to hear he's in a tie with Killer Maid. <laughs> <laughs> he would. And that's where the money's going, guys. And they we're just going to throw out where the wild things are. And uh, sorry, Smokey, you just didn't cut it. Oh. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you. This is. I think this, this way works pretty good. I agree. Yeah, we need to have Steve here and loaded. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, how time. else would we go for two I, hours? I apologize to everyone listening. <laughs> I can hardly wait till you listen back on this it's episode. No, no kidding. Oh, my Lord of mercy. Some, a lot of times I pimp the episode but to my students, and I'm like, no, this, this, this may not be one of those. That's right, students. Hear him at his best. <laughs> <laughs> they'll go wait a minute he talks like that when he does a zoom meeting <laughs> uh, what do you think of the new format of red light green light write to us comments at uglycouchshow.com and there's a little more that we're going to add to it in a future episode so that's not the only new style for this segment I do want to throw out a very big thank you to Shock Monkey Jamie. She had her uh, Friday the 13th party this weekend and gave us lots of uh, little gift bags from the Yay, party. Yay, Jamie. And that's so sweet of you. Thank you so much. That and the fact nice. is, Friday the 13th, I couldn't be happier. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact <laughs> that I don't, can't go out in COVID, so this, this makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. So yes. thank you. But until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. And I will not be here next week and we'll talk to you next week in geek <laughs> and thank you major matt for observing <laughs> yes yes, yes. 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 For me through all the flags <laughs> making sure there were no unnecessary shenanigans <laughs> well <laughs> only the necessary oh, well one. did he really <laughs> <laughs> only the necessary shenanigans like he, he didn't know that was in his job description <laughs> obviously <laughs>